Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast, Mikey Stafford here, hope you're all well. Um, all football this week, if you're joined by, uh, as always, Rory O'Neill, by Kevin McStay and by a very happy Armagh man, Niall McCoy. How are we all doing, lads? Very good, Mikey. Very well, very very well Mikey. Great weekend. Was, was, myself and Rory now are showing tremendous editorial responsibility to just kind of ditch hurling this weekend after Wexford and Cork <laughs> sauntered into the All-Ireland, well actually Wexford sauntered, Cork kind of sidled sideways as if they were going through a turnstile a bit of a saunter as well i, I watched it i mean i know what people were the lads were saying you know oh I, I cock farted about the place to be honest with you mikey I, I don't know i don't know how much they were i don't know how much they really put into that game to be honest and look i think all the focus is obviously this saturday coming now yeah yeah as much as you can say about it yeah well we'll discuss hurling at the, on, on thursday's podcast we'll Wexford get to play Clare for the uh, Wexford uh, Clare or Wexford the the hurling equivalent of Wicklow for the Wexford hurlers at this stage. You just seem to play them every championship. Unfortunately, we never beat Wicklow. We sometimes beat Clare, or sorry, vice versa. We sometimes beat Wicklow. We never beat Clare. Anyway, I digress. We're here to talk about football, and uh, we had the quarterfinal draw uh, this morning on Morning Ireland, as always, and um, it's a an interesting draw. It's uh, a great draw. Oshie McGonville mm-hmm. said last night he didn't care who who Armagh got, and um, I'm looking at the draw, Kevin, and I think Armagh are the only team that won this weekend who I I give too much of a chance. They're the only qualifier team I give too much of a chance against the uh, the provincial champions. Um, I'm not sure. Sorry, just for those who may not have heard it, it's Galway v Armagh, Kerry v Mayo, Cork v Dublin and Derry v Clare. So yeah, Kevin, I, I look at that and I say, Armagh have a good chance of upsetting my tips for the All-Ireland, but still, they are the team, they, they're the form team coming out of the qualifiers who've got maybe a provincial champion that not everybody's convinced by. Um, the draw hasn't been too kind to any of the other uh, qualifiers, I don't think. Yeah, I was, the first few hours of today, now I was polishing my piece for tomorrow's paper and that's exactly where I'm at as well, Mikey. Um, it, ha- it makes this podcast so easy when I'm able to hack into your computer. Don't change your password. Armagh <laughs> um, definitely of uh, the four to emerge over the weekend uh, look the most likely. Uh, they'd have the best chance of success. Um, Mayo uh, and a lot of asterisks beside them immediately. Cork and Clare, no. You can you couldn't see it, so yeah, I have to agree with you on that. The I suppose another way of looking at it is that uh, one of Galway, Armagh, Derry, and Clare will play in this year's All Ireland final. I think that's the big takeaway for me from yeah. the draw, um, and and that's fantastic. That isn't that's a fresh face, uh, one way or the other. And right now, you'd say probably the favourite would be the winner of the Galway Armagh game, uh, with Derry a dangerous opposition lurking there somewhere now that's being linear about our football mm. which it never can be of course uh, but all things point to it Armagh the story of uh, I, I would have said the weekend but I might maybe further say the the championship it's 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 it seems to me and it's a team I've been following very very closely a team I did, like they're way up there one of my favorite teams and I'm not just jumping on the bandwagon now I consistently been in that position 
and yet they've disappointed a few times. Mm. Uh, I'd have I'd have an, an awful lot of of admiration for the, what I loosely call the the Kieran McGinley project. And it seems to me now that the uh, how many years it is, is six, seven, eight, nine. Perhaps he's been in charge. He's been there since 2014. He was in with Paul Grimley and Eight. manager since 2015. So yeah. apart from Callum Collins, he's uh, who beats him by a few weeks. I think it's uh, it's a long time, and, isn't it? It's a long time. You don't. Yeah, it seems to me. My my sense of it is that preparation has met opportunity. That you know, that's the way I I I I'd, I'd look at that journey by McGinley and Arma. That mm. uh, he's got a he he's got his. He's got his best team out. Maybe missing one or two that, you know, if injuries tidied up enough, the Willard, not Nile, but can tell us later, I'm sure. Um, O'Neill's brother, V1, Paddy Burns, these sort of fellas. Um, but they're they're in great shape. But like all the winners this weekend, they come now to the quarterfinals with two wins on the trot. So the momentum of that, you know, is it, it is definitely momentum. And of course, you've kind of exercised the the... The, the 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 provincial defeat you you parked that you moved on from that you've moved well on from that now and I was talking last week about this idea of you know when you're trying to make this massive breakthrough Mikey these things like statement wins mm. it's all right you know Armagh beating Fermanagh in a round one qualifier that's grand but beating Tyrone and following it up the week after with your nemesis maybe uh, Donegal uh, that means something serious uh, and it really gives them a platform now the draw has been uh, they've made their own breaks now because they've had to come back the hard way so the draw has been uh, has been very decent to them and is there an Armand man Niall this morning who won't be dreaming of playing in this year's All-Ireland final I doubt it opens off for them Kevin as you said uh, it's turning into a pretty brilliant championship especially the way this draw has went for the last eight and uh, as an Armand guy like Three Division Two teams on their side of the draw now. They're the, the highest ranked side there, so very difficult. But and likewise, Galway and Derry and Clare will not have massive fear of Armagh. But there's a clear path for Armagh to the final now. And if they play like they did the last two weeks, there's no reason why they can't be back in the final for the first time in what would be 19 years. You know, um, mm. and actually, it'd be the, they haven't been in the semi final even since 2005. I don't think so. You know, we think about that Armagh team, but it's a long time since Armagh have been past the quarterfinal stage, like um, 2008, the one Ulster, and then Wexford knocked them out. And 2018, I think it was, Tyrone gave them a tank in, might have been 17, in Crow Park. And they haven't really they got close to Donegal in 2014, but they haven't, they haven't really troubled the semi-finals in, in a long, long time. So, listen, uh, there, there's a path there from Kevin, no doubt. Yeah, it's, Rory, it, it's... It's an interesting draw in a few ways. Like the, the new championship structure is it's clearly evident. Um, you know, we saw from the way the draw went for the first round of qualifiers that we we're gonna lose two division one teams and obviously there's the more cutthroat nature of the qualifiers means that, you know, as as I pointed out, you've got you you know, you got one, two, three, four teams out of eight who were operating in division two last year and several of them are in division two next year. Uh, including Dublin <laughs> so actually if you count last year and this year you're talking about five of the teams uh, operated in or going into division two so um 
it's it's not lopsided. It's it's just a bit more mixed. Um, but what stands out to me is that we've been talking away about Galway v Armagh here for five minutes when one of the matches is Kerry v Mayo, oh, yeah. which I think says a lot about the the at least perceived trajectory of the two teams. I.e., one are going up and one are going down, and people perhaps don't see this as the Titanic tussle it has been for the last ten years. I think it's a like Kerry will probably. I, I'm only, you're only surmising, but you would get a sense that Kerry might be secretly happy with it in that that they didn't draw Clare, for instance, and find themselves in an All-Ireland semi-final maybe against Dublin and not really knowing where they are. I think they'll get a test here one way or the other, but they also need to be very careful. You need to be careful what you wish for, you know, that type of cliche. I mean, I know we'll get on to the games in a minute, but again, Mayo, like Mayo just, Mayo can bring a box of crazy that nobody just seems to cut. Like they just, a button can get pushed sometimes. They will obviously have massive support. They'll outnumber Kerry again in wherever the game is played, most likely Croke Park. And you just never know it, Mayo. You just never, you just never know. I mean, look at them on Saturday, for instance. They looked bet all ends up. And within five minutes, they had a five point deficit turned around and, <laughs> You know, like so, it it it, it it's a, it's a, again to go back to your initial uh, premise. This is a brilliant draw, I think, across the board. You know, I think we're going to get a couple of really good quarterfinals, which is as much as we could have hoped for, given the nature of the draw so far. And I think you're going to have two absolutely fantastic semi-finals, regardless of who makes it at this stage. Plus a hugely novel All Ireland final because whoever's in it, as Niall mentioned, is going to be in it for the first time in donkey's years, and that's good for football. Mikey, can I make a quick point <clears throat> just before we leave the, the the format and how it all goes? Yeah. Isn't it gas? Uh, I was thinking about this this morning. Isn't it gas that after I think it's twenty two years or twenty one years of the qualifier formats, we've had four or five different different iterations, we'll say over that period, that we happen upon the best one. And we make it the final one. <laughs> we never see it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's classic. I, I know it's classic GA um, admin that uh, it took us this period of time to actually say, mm, yeah, we, could we get people to agree to take out the Tolchin 16? Now, geez, we have a right good qualifier now, lads. Okay, this will be the last time we do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. There, there, there are quirks in it that, that yeah. probably don't sit too well, like the, the example of, you know, Tyrone are bet by Derry and they're still the same number of games away from an All-Ireland final as they would have been. So there are things about it, but it, once you, that's maybe more a provincial problem than a qualifier problem. But um, we'll, we'll, a quick word on, on Cork, Rory. Um, you, in, ter- in, terms of saying, the, in terms of the draw or the match at the weekend? In ter- <laughs> it'll be, both mentions will be quick. We can wrap it all in one if you want. Yeah, in terms of the, the draw, Cork v Dublin, um, the result is probably beyond doubt for oh, yeah, most yeah. of us who yeah. don't have West Cork blood coursing through our veins. But um, more interesting might be the venue. Would you think there'd be any opportunity for the GA to take the dubs on the road here? I think it would add such a novelty to the fixture. Like, let's be honest, right? So let's say the fixture goes ahead in Croke Park. There'll be 
Look, the Cork supporters are on their way up. They're, they were in Belfast on Saturday, Turles this Saturday. Then they'd be expected to go to Dublin the following weekend. And then if the hurlers beat Galway, they're back up to Dublin the weekend after that again. So come on, you know, like let's you have to cut people a small bit of slack too at times in terms of what you're expecting to support. And it's largely the same people that follow both codes that no people might outside the Cork might think, oh, the hurlers and the footballers. That's actually not the case. They're generally it's the GAA supporter. And you're just not going to get any Cork supporters that will come up to that game in Croke Park. Whereas if you actually sent the dubs down, look, they're going to win the game. If you played the match on Ackle Island, they'll win the match by probably <laughs> 15 to 20 points, right? But it would add such a novelty factor. You'd have 25 or 30,000 dubs arriving down to Cork. Like what a brilliant occasion that would be, you know? It would be you probably close enough to Parky Quee full. The Cork supporters then would feel, oh, the dubs are coming down. We have to go out and show like that. They're not going to come down to our patch. And it would just add something to it. I think it would be a great opportunity to give football in a football urban heartland a big shot in the arm. And it would just create, a, as I said, a little bit more novelty around the fixture. And look, to be honest, the dubs, I'd say, would be nearly quite happy to go down to Cork. But look, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. No. Do you do you have shares in an off license down in Cork City, Royal? Yeah, do you know what? You'll you, be stocking up ahead of that one. It'll it, be good. I tell you, very good, Rory, because the minor draws worked out perfectly because you have Mayo Kerry, I think, in the minors as well. So you could double build that. Um, you could have Cork, Dublin standalone. And then you have Galway Derry meeting in the minors as well, and you could have a, an Ulster triple threat there as well. So I think there might, you know, there is the, I suppose, the room for for a bit of a bit of change. You know, I, I'm like yourself; I wouldn't expect it, like, but but I, I think the minor fixtures have some there that they could actually change a wee bit, like, because I don't know if they're down for the same weekend. Would we just, um, wouldn't we be due to have Kerry? Um, in Galway or something this time around for a quarterfinal. Yeah, instead of Limerick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Listen, let's let's get on to the games then, lads. And um, there's only one place to start, really, and I'll be glad to hear. Uh, Armagh v Donegal, obviously, Armagh winning 317 to 16 points. And Niall, I'd say in your wildest dreams, you, you now, and a few of us here on the podcast are no fans of Donegal and think they're uh, about as reliable as a Romanian Rolex. But, um, I don't think in your wildest dreams you could have seen a you know a ten point win you know pulling up with twenty minutes to go playing silly bugger hand passing around the middle of the field because there's just not a Donegal player who seemed to I think it was Oshin McConville said they down tools last night and it's hard to argue against what Oshin said the last fifteen minutes of that match were farcical. I don't know about down and tools I think they just uh, went into the most sort of agricultural panic station slumped the ball in and hoped for a. <laughs> A miracle, like a couple of miracles. They would have needed two or three goals. So I don't more acceptance maybe than down tools. Um yeah, I, I tipped Rome to win by five or six. I thought Donegal would grind it out, so I'm gonna tip Galway next week or <laughs> you're going well. Going well. No, I listen, Armagh are excellent. Armagh are excellent. And I was there and I thought even five minutes before the penalty. I thought there was a big shift in the game. Donegal shooting in that first half was first class. Very mm. little pressure, but they're still putting them over the bar well. But I just thought about five minutes before the penalty, Armagh just seemed to get a real sort of control of that match. And you could just sort of see the you could see the game change and you could see Ben Creeley and Stephen Sheridan starting to get a hold of things in midfield. Um looking a bit sharp. Armagh they started slow enough against Strong too. They a lot of the ball, but were blocked down and stuff. They are generally slow starters. They had the goal, of course, but then I think they conceded uh, six of the next seven points or something like that or eight of the next nine something stupid like that but 
bar that spell, they, they, it's as good as they played under McGinney. Um, they defended well. They were very disciplined in their tackling, which is something that's always been thrown at them, which has improved this last two or three years immeasurably. And they're shooting, I think it was 67% or so on the RT graphics there, yeah, so which is more than acceptable. Um, butchered a few goal chances. That's Stephen Campbell. Goal chance felt like something that, at the time, it felt like it's something we might regret. Didn't come near that. This Armand team, if you ask any fan after oh, during the McGinney era, did say that they have a real problem holding on to leads. But that's two weeks in a row against Division One opposition where they've been strolling by the full time whistle, which to me is very impressive. Um, you know, Ray O'Neill was superb. Uh, there was a couple of other men I thought were outstanding. I thought Jason Duffy was absolutely brilliant. I thought he was brilliant. And there's three men at the back. Uh, this attack, everyone's talking about the Armand attack, but the three linchpins at the back. Uh, Aidan Forker, Arne McKay and Greg McCabe, who have been playing fantastically well. Um, often with their half-backs, fellow half-backs up in the attack, so they've been you know, short numbers at the back of time, but the three of them have just been performing so, so well. And that, as much as the attack has given them a platform to go and play that sort of football. And listen, we, we saw it in Bally Buffet. They played cautious, they dropped off and kick out those five minutes after half-time, and it just didn't suit them. It didn't suit them. This is a team that just... Suits front foot football, very little tactical sort of instructions. Just go out and play a good football, get a quick forward quick, kick if you want to kick. And here, over the last two weeks, they've went from a team that looked down and out to a team now that we're talking about could potentially make an all iron final. And that's some change in two weeks. Yeah, Ke- Kevin, it, it was night and day. Like you learn, you know, the old cliche you learn more from defeats than you do from victories. It's, it's certainly true, this Armada team. And it couldn't be more true of any element of the game than, you know, the Donegal kickout, which, you know, they suddenly realised. I think we were talking about it here before that, you know, you can't push up on Patton because he'll kick it 80 yards over your head. Well, I think I think Armagh realised that that was a risk they had to take because it seemed like Sean Patton did not want to kick the ball long, even though he has a foot like a howitzer. And it led to uh, that goal chance that was butchered by Soupy and then from the resulting 45 in the kickout, the penalty. Um and so pushing up on the Armagh kickout was gold, solid gold tactic rather than something to be feared. And that they obviously learned from defeat. I would say in general, even across the weekend, if you looked at it, even when Russ Common started to push up on the clear kickout, oh, every team that pushes up and is positive on the opposition kickout, number one, denies simple possession on the kickout. So that's a big plus immediately. Now, if you get a turnover, you're getting the t- turnover where? High up the field, in the most dangerous place. And in the instance of Patton's turnover, it wasn't Patton's turnover, to be fair. I think it was McFadden Furry. Yeah, it was, a pass to, it was a pass uh, to the chest, yeah. Yeah, the pass, was, the pass was, was more than decent, but the first touch, yeah. the first touch was, was poor. I've often, you know, been saying in a coaching context that when you, every defender that receives a ball with his back to the goal, and that's his first instinct should never be to try and control it and deal with it. It should be to immediately give it back so that no contact is made. If you hold on to that ball for a tick for two a second and guys come in on you and put heat on you, you know, they will go for your arms, hit your arms hard so the ball drops. And now there's there's chaos. And that's exactly what happened. He dwelled for a moment and a little slightly bad touch, and they robbed him. Now the finish was was not good. In fact, I think he gave it to the wrong. He gave it to the wrong player. Really, there was one. One mm. on the right was was the better option. But the idea that they had decided 
we're pressurizing it, we're going for it. See, it says so many different things, Mikey, to your team and to your supporters. You're, you're saying exactly what Niall just said, we're going to play on front foot, now we're going to be positive in everything we do, and we're going to have a cut at it. And two things are going to happen, it's going to work out, or he's going to go along and we have to re reshape then. And we'll deal with that if that's what we have to. But look, look at the source of scores when they're coming from these turnovers. Look at the, look at the, look at the mayhem, the, ca the cause, when you get that high turnover. For me, it's a, it's a, it's a no-brainer, and yet you see so many teams are conceding are conceding the kickouts. I, I was looking at the stats Johnny was sending us yesterday, mm. Rory, and so many mm. teams, short kickouts, 100%, short kickouts, 100%. And it, it's like you're saying, we don't care that you have possession. Well, that is not a very good starting position in, in my book. And it's been shown over this weekend, uh, in particular, when Roscommon went after Clare when they, got it, when, when they were in trouble to, and they went after building up their lead and started pushing up. They got great joy on it. Likewise, Armagh. Now, it takes energy. I totally accept that. And it takes discipline and people picking their spots, whether it's a zonal push-up or a man-to-man push-up. And you have to have players. You, know, you can't be celebrating goals and waving at the crowd. you got to be back on point, doing your job. Where's my man? And all that. And it does take practice in, in the training ground. But I must say, Armagh executed it to a very high degree yesterday. And it gave them an immediate position in the game. Even if you take the, the positivity of the throw-in. Like, you know, other teams, they bring up a goalie to take that free that they win at the throw-in. But yeah. no, Neil gets it. Cracks, he said, I'm banging it in. He didn't pick out Grugan in particular, Nile. I mean, Mernon would have been the more obvious one to me. He's, he's even tidier in the air. It was a speculative. It was pretty speculative. But it was beautifully... It's a perfect flight. It's a great forwards ball. It's a gorgeous ball. It's like I'd nearly catch it myself at five foot nine. It's a gorgeous ball. And once he catches it, and uh, I can't just recall who, who was it, Mac, not McMenamin, um, McCall maybe, oh, that jumped was, with him. Yeah, McCall jumped with him. Yeah, yeah, so when he's in the air, but you're already down, he's out of the game. Yeah. And yeah, then he turns finish. and puts it back in the opposite direction. So all those positivities, yeah, starting with the push-up on, on the kick-out, I, I, like that's what it seems to me that our mayor about. Yeah, Kevin, I, I, I've had a question I've been dying to ask uh, a, an inter-county manager since yesterday afternoon. So you're the only one on the call. So excuse me for a second. Lads. Your goalkeeper gets a black card. You can't replace him for the penalty. Midfielder goes in goal. Makes a very good stab at saving it. Doesn't save it. Why in the name of jumping Jesus do you burn two substitutes and take off your marquee corner forward for the sake of 10 minutes when is there could you is there not an outfielder who could take the kickouts and field any high balls whereas instead Declan Bonner burned two substitutions which may have been important later in the game to bring in um his sub goalkeeper Lynch for 10 minutes to me that was that was nonsensical I don't okay, know so is there a reason for it oh absolutely there's a reason for it so you've obviously never been a county manager and had to deal with the consequences of telling your goalie you're number 16 but you're not really okay so uh, you you're, you have a great relationship obviously with your with your panel and hey i'm uh, number 16 should, most of the time i'd be okay with uh, it no, no it's okay we, we have a fella already selected to take your place it's all right and what, what have i been around the panel for for the last uh, three years it's a very, very tricky one. Look, the maths of it are, you're correct, 100%. But the human side of it, he's the sub-goalie, Mikey, and now you're telling him in his, in his great moment of opportunity, no, we're actually going with the midfielder. And uh, uh, they didn't even ask him to take his jersey off, I noticed, to give it to him, um, which was probably decent in the circumstances. Yeah, uh, he, I mean, if you go down that road, you'll be looking for sub-goalies fairly rapid. 
So I, I think there was an element of certainly keeping morale at a, at a reasonable level. I couldn't, Jesus, Mikey, you, you're really using people. What, what, would, would you not be terrified of a couple of so, a couple of players going down with the game in the melting pot in the second half then, Kevin? You're, you're too, well, you've got two substitutions element, less. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's sport is a human is a human endeavor, you know. It's, Jeez, uh, Kev, I never thought you were so soft-hearted. This is a whole new side to you. That, that's my that, that's my that's my problem, Mike. <laughs> what, what I thought what I thought was interesting was that it was McBrarty that was uh, well, that was shocking. I mean, yeah, geez, because yeah. it it would be moving okay. He seemed to be moving. I didn't. I was thinking he wasn't happy. Like, he wasn't happy about. He wasn't happy. No, Jesus. he definitely wasn't happy. But <laughs> I I I I want to more know about the decision to take off McBrarty. To be honest with you, Mikey, I was sort of like he when I saw him going off as an Armagh fan. I was delighted to see him going off. You never want to see Paddy McBrarty on the ball like as a as not an, an opponent. And I was like, are the, has he a knock? Were they maybe saying right, give this boy ten minutes of rest, and we'll. We'll get more out of him. That to me was the more interesting dynamic of the whole thing. That it was like Brarty that was sacrificed essentially. He was essentially sitting in himself for 10 minutes, you know. And as an Armagh fan, you know, I was there as a fan not working, so it's allowed to be biased. But I was delighted to see him go off, to be honest with you, because he's just an absolute class act. Yeah, but what do you think, Rory? Because obviously it was a pivotal moment in the game, the, the penalty alone, but also, that you know, a black card in the game, you know, that was as tight as that at that stage. And then to double punish yourself, you lose your goalkeeper and decide to take off probably your your, your most threatening forward. It was just, it was, I, the whole thing was strange to me. It was, it was, but you, do, do you know, look, it's only, you know, it's only a personal theory. Um, It's not based on any real logic or any sort of science or any data. I just have a sneaky feeling that that COVID championship Ulster final that Donegal got sucker punched by Cavan has left an indelible scar on them in a way that I don't think they've ever recovered from. And if you look at last year's championship, particularly something very similar happened to them against Tyrone as well, in that the whole game just blew up on them in the space of a maybe 30 or 40 seconds. They missed a penalty with Michael Murphy. And then a couple of seconds later, he gets sent off and then just busted and they'd been playing well. And similarly to yesterday, they were actually playing really well for the first 20 minutes. Like they were kicking some incredible scores from range. They had settled down. They'd absorbed the early shock of the, that, that really fast start from that incredible goal. And in the space of a minute, just to, and uh, what, what, what it said to me was just in terms of, we'll say um, there's maybe a frailty there that it all got derailed so quickly, so suddenly, and it's just a residue maybe of a few different defeats. I think maybe the particular one against Cavan, I think is probably the one that really rankles because look, let's be honest, they're a better side than Cavan. They should never have lost that game. So I'm just- I, interesting as well, lads, um, to just build on that, on the black card moment, um, hmm. is that, and I don't, have the, I don't have the numbers on it, but I, I know from just- even the last few weeks, the commentators or the stats lads just feeding us the sort of damage that's been done. Like it's of the order of oh. five points, four yeah. or five points. Yeah. It was like, one it three in the Cork Limerick game yesterday as well. Okay. Kev. Yeah. So it's it's of that order. And similarly with, with their armada that you 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 know, like two things happen definitely when you're on the black card. Your offense is removed because you have to bring back you have to bring back somebody, obviously. Uh, so your offense is pretty much wiped. And then you're defending for your life 
uh, and you're trying to kill the clock. And of course, we're seeing more and more of these head injuries now. They're just there. There's a proliferation of them <laughs> at this stage, and uh, we'll, we'll need we'll, we'll need ER units beside the grounds fairly soon. And got that uh, in the throne arm too, Kevin. Richie Donnelly got it uh, thrown. Just tried to run the ten minutes down. Um, I think the teams might have been one one a point of peace over 10 minutes but it was at a okay. time in the game where Throne really needed to <clears throat> get back in it it was the 10 minutes after half time or you know just mm. after that and it was a critical period where Throne needed to stage or start their recovery at least but it turned mm. into 10 minutes where they just passing the ball back and forth and yeah. both teams were happy enough sort of to get through the 10 minutes without going arm hour for or enough ahead where they didn't have to push it too far mm. Throne yeah. just needed to stay in the game but I felt it's, that it's definitely that a moment though yeah, I felt that took away Trump's chances to or last weekend, you know. So these black cards are having huge scenes. Yeah. So Niall, um we mentioned it there, the Ken mentioned at the start the injuries, because obviously we're all quite impressed with our but there are a few players who could be could be back in, in a fortnight's time, is that right? I think I think most of them are done for the for the season, Mikey, to be honest with you. Um Paddy Burns, I think, might be about the only one you might see back into the free against uh, Galway. They have Grimley, I think, is done for the season. Uh, Tiernan Kelly, who is playing really well during the league, is definitely done for the season. Kieran Mackin, bad eye injury, had a tremendous league from nowhere, done for the season. Apologies, Connor Mackin. Connor Mackin be okay, won't he? Yeah. yeah, he was down. It was a strange one, yeah. So he was announced to start mm. uh, and then pulled out again last minute. I think there was word of maybe an injury in the warm up. Connor O'Neill back in. And given those circumstances, performed very well for a young Indeed. lad. Mm. You know, I, I don't and know. What is she, O'Neill? Is he around the, the scene? I don't think. Just looking at him, yes. And now he, he was doing, uh, he, was do, he was on the line doing Waterboy. And to me, he didn't look like a boy that was close to coming back. Like, you know, uh, the likes of yeah. Paddy Burns and all seemed to be involved with the bench. Oshin was out. Him and Brent Donaghy were the water carriers. Yes. And to me, he looked like a fella that's not going to be involved anytime soon. It could be wrong in that one. There hasn't been real clarification on that. But, I wouldn't be expecting to see him, Kevin. And to have so that that'd be four or five boys who'd definitely be pushing for starting spots. And maybe that might be something that'll that'll come back and, and hurt them a wee bit down the line. But uh, we'll see. The boys have stepped in and done very well. And Mikey, Mikey, just one. Uh, I don't know if you're moving on now from mm. Armad Donegal, but <clears throat> one final point. What a what a buzz they bring. I mean, they have unbelievable support, and that you can sense now that the entire county is behind them. I mean. The crowds they brought yesterday, they must have outnumbered the Donegal supporters, I would say maybe three or four to one. The noise that they bring, the razzmatazz, it's really great for Gaelic football to have Armagh now, I think, ready for a sustained period at the top table. And I think they just bring great excitement. They bring great colour. There's, um, there'll be, they're going to add so much now to the latter stages of the championship. They're a fantastic team to watch. I think in Rian O'Neill, they have a player that is potentially, potentially Jeez, at the yeah, Clifford, potentially yeah. at the Clifford, yeah. Conor Callaghan level. You know, like he, that's how good he was yesterday. Anyway, um, what a player! And like you know, I just yeah, I think they're a very exciting team for Gaelic football mm, across agreed. the board. Agreed. The one, if I could just one quick thing, superb fan base. <laughs> One thing I didn't like, yes, uh, a lot of booing on Donegal Freeze. I don't know where that came across on 
TV, but the certainly in our side of the ground, there was mm. a lot of it. Well, you we couldn't hear him over the Voo Voo Zaylas. Did you oh, bring the Voo Voo Zaylas with you now? That's serious amount of them. That's worse than the Voo Oh my thing. God. They love a Voo Voo Zayla. Love I thought they, were, I thought they were outlawed by now, but they're still snogging. There'll be, be, be a motion in due course. <laughs> oh, and it will get it will get about a hundred percent back in it. It's gonna be the first. Oh my god, those the noise yeah. of those things, my god! Yeah. And actually, after a while, you become like you become kind of uh, immune, immune to them. Yeah. And then every now and again, you realize they're there, and you said, "They're still going." Oh, Mikey, I was sat in traffic in Clonus for about an hour. You know how hard it is to get out of it, and they were still going. All the way down the street, like by your side. <laughs> you know, it's still going. You're like, give us a break, lads. Jesus. Where, where's this black market? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Northern Ireland Protocol will sort this yeah. out. Jump to the market's return. <laughs> okay, look, we'll, we'll move on to one of the Saturday matches. Um, uh, your shower, Kev, your, 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 your original shower, Mayo. Uh, 213 to 14 point winners over Kildare. Um, in classic fashion, Kevin, they did not make things at all easy for themselves. Um, they gold put a glass on it, but this was uh, this was uh, getting their arse out of the bacon slicer territory yet again, wasn't it? Yeah, they did. Like, I mean, all over the shop, mad as a box of frogs, and uh, <laughs> and then you know, and then I, you know, I was I was watching it on my iPad, and I was saying, I just I'm in isolation up in the top room, I'm saying out to my daughter, dog. Can't see it now. And the next thing, they get a goal of the season, oh, and yeah. within minutes, it's turned around. And uh, they are, they are, they're mercurial. What can I say? Mm. We are, we are the great entertainers, Mikey. And uh, you, you can't count, count us out. Really. Kev, Kev, sorry to cut across it there. I just, okay. it just because I just had it in my head. Do you remember an advertising campaign years ago? And it was like, you know, when you've been tangled. Do you, rem- do you remember? Do you remember that? Yes, tango yeah. orange yeah. drink. Yeah. Like Kildare, 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 Yeah, you know when you've been tangoed and the guy would appear on the screen out of nowhere and he'd slap the guys, the other guy's face, and then disappear again, and you just Kildare got mailed. <laughs> Kildare got mailed on Saturday night, and I'd say they're probably waking up today going, "What happened? What actually happened?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was very. Sorry. You know, it was very. Um, uh, very interesting from the Kildare perspective is that, and you might remember this, Rory. I don't know, did you do the match with us, Westmead and Kildare in the semi final? Myself and Wheeler were on doing it. And we were we were just said, Kildare are a washout. They might have just beaten Westmead, but their defense is so horrendous. Yeah. Like they don't see the 215 against Westmead. Oh, it was, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Like they were like say, down this down this channel, sir, if you'd like, if you'd like to go, <laughs> goals go down this way. Points after you, sir. Way, and mm. uh, after you, sir. And nobody laying a hand on anybody. And I remember we both said that I like if they didn't improve, Dublin would murder them. And of course they did. Uh, and then they decided, and they didn't have that much time now. And I have to give them massive kudos. Uh, because it's not an easy thing to do, to redraw their defence uh, and get buy-in uh, and actually get people now to make contact for a change. And when runners and guys have to be tracked or hit, that people come out and actually hit them, you know, and stop them in their tracks. Uh, so I have to give a big plus to, to Kildare there. And they did everything, uh, but here, here's, here's what got them. The same thing that's been getting Mayo for, I've often argued, 50 years. They're just inability to even get decent return from basic opportunities. 
So when they were five, six up, I just to pad that out to eight or nine. Um, and they showed a few of them on the show last night. Yeah. Some of the efforts were appalling. Now, they were lucky in that Mayo will go up the other end of the field and match those appalling efforts. So that keeps you in the game because Mayo give everybody a chance, as you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, and it just happened that that single one moment, which by itself was a bit of a keystone cops, really. You know, Oshin Mullen, he's tangled up with three fellas and the next thing he can tear, he can tear for the hits them and turns them in the right direction and puts them clean through. And the next thing, a one-two and the ball is in the net. And that one moment, there you go. They're tangoed or mayo. They're, they're just yeah, hit, it hit is. in the face. It, it, it's it's, it's a peculiar phenomenon that only mayo can bring. Uh, like, yeah. You, like they're, they're, you have to recall, Mikey, that mayo are kind of, they're they're living on scraps. Or they're like, they're really breathing fumes now at this stage because with, with injuries, that's one side of it. But morale and, and confidence is the bigger side of it. That I think even the supporters are finding it difficult to believe in their progress, and that it's kind of living to die another day sort of thing, um, which is probably a little bit unfair because yeah. to keep going to try and eke out the victory, you know, if it was any other team, you'd be saying, "My God, that's some achievement." But they did, they did keep at it because that is what Mayo do. They keep yeah. going on, don't they? Yeah. And they got the little break then. That now I jump in ahead. And I'm looking at the draw and I'm saying, well, now, yeah, look, everybody realizes that they'll be put out of their misery now, except for the people that probably uh, inhabit that bubble. Mm. They'll be thinking, well, Ryan, I don't know, can we get him back now? We we get a good uh, defense. We, we've played them. Martin Flynn got, a, got some minutes. Yeah. I mean, uh, no team has won. Is it, did I see that stat there? That is this the third time Kerry would have to beat Mayo this season? <clears throat> and the other teams haven't been able to do it. Roscommon couldn't do it against Galway. Donegal. Uh, Donegal yeah. couldn't do it against Armagh. Like, um, familiarity does breed a, a, a little contempt, all right. But no, I think on, on all known evidence, uh, it's the end, it looks like the end of the road. But that's not to say that their victory over Kildare was, you know, a victory for resilience and staying at it and not thrown, not thrown, not, uh, not thrown in the towel, or, or as we often say, wash, washing the shovels early and going home for the Friday yeah. nights. So they uh, they stayed at it and uh, well be careful what you pray for they've got Kerry in the in the court. Yeah. They, haven't, they have an athleticism though, Mikey. They are one of the few teams that have an athleticism that will be able to stay with Kerry. They maybe don't have the quality that Kerry have, particularly up front, as we know, but they will certainly match Kerry stride for stride in a, in an athletic department. That's the big. That's when you start getting further up the, the mountain. That's usually the stuff that kind of starts yeah, that's an absolute, driving that. the, yeah. the gap in between teams. And I think Mayo have that at least. But yeah. Yeah. So what we have here is a a team over reliant on the forays forward of ponytail defenders to score. Um, athleticism, uh, never say die attitude, uh, a lack of scoring forwards, but in Killian O'Connor, a very reliable free taker. Right, no, don't know who may be uh, fit. Yeah. So what we, <laughs> Niall, this is basically the same Mayo template we've had for the last 10 years, which tends to get them into all Ireland finals. Why, why the mood music so negative about them this year, do you think? I, 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 I have a bit more optimism. Um, the pandemonium that Mayo brings, I, as I just watching, is just, it's fantastic. It's um, I, it, it was amazing. Like I was, I was covering the match with Tracker for RT there, and I think it was midway through the second half, and I looked at the scoreboard, and it was still three points, as had been the gap at half time. It was like, we have no made no inroads here at all, and then next thing, 
Daniel Flynn runs through and we go from a potential goal of the season to a point at the other end and it just felt like a big moment. It just kept the game alive and then Mayo, such a reactionary team, once they get their, their wind up, they just go for it and I, 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 I don't know, they're going to bring that chaos into the into the next match and here, listen, they, they don't have the quality probably but if they get their tails up, there's probably no better county in, in the country for just going for it once they start getting a bit of confidence but they're so poor for 50 minutes, like, you know, for 50 minutes, they're absolutely awful. And and Kevin talked about it there, they can learn defend and compared to previous games, so it's first class. And even the start of the second half, Michael Grady threw himself and made a great block at the well, very did. start. And yeah. it, it did look at the, the camera pan to James Horn at one stage and he's very dejected looking. And it just looked like we were going. And then Mayo did what Mayo do and just find this source of energy where all bets are off and it just turns in and you can just feel the crowd closing in you can just see some of her players growing a foot, and and to be fair to Horn, he made some big switches. Um, you know, I, I, I thought Boland on, I think he got two points when he came on, possibly. Um, they done very, very well. And they're also, going now, if, uh, one one other thing to add to the athleticism, uh, and uh, and the resilience of the team. There's, there's one other massive factor in their favour, and I'm not now trying to construct. Uh, a debate where, whereby Mayo are, are favourites to win this or anything, but Mayo will match up very well with Kerry. They would they would have the players very naturally, like a lot of teams think, oh, just Clifford and Ganey and the other Clifford. But Mayo have have Durkin, they have Mullen, they have uh, Swanee O'Hara, Parik O'Hara if the needs be, uh, young Hessian who made that block you were talking about on Daniel Flynn. Now mm-hmm. he he's a marvelous young footballer. He he could actually be pushed up on someone like Gavin White if that's what Mayo required. If we wanted legs on him, so Mayo will match up very very easily and very very well. And, and let's not forget, there is still for all the brilliance of this Kerry team, there is still that question mark over them. Um, you know that COVID season obviously was a as we saw in Ulster and Monster that year it was a, it was a it was a strange whole year, but. Yep. The throne match last year, you know, Throne were probably going in as equally as big underdogs as, as Mayo won this match and Throne got the job done. Clifford going off at, at you know, with injury seemed to really just sort of stifle them. And listen, there, there is a few question marks and, I, you know, would Kerry be happy to get Mayo? I'm, I'm just not so sure there would be um, because you just do not know what you're going to get with Mayo. They're an unquantifiable team. Um, you just cannot work out what... Good man, Niall. He's getting the mail for Sam mm. that <laughs> campaign going for 2022. I will die a happy man if we get an Armand Mayo All-Ireland final. <laughs> oh, <laughs> could you imagine the, the scramble for that, tickets yeah. would be yeah. obscene. Yeah. Um, <sighs> another another inter-county uh, manager question for you, Kev. Um, I had to laugh at James Horan's raging against the um the squad list um rule which he calls one of the craziest rules that ever existed where you have to name your uh name your 26 on a thursday and it can't change even if you know two players get injured on thursday night and so he was down to 24 for a squad like declan bonner he was down two substitutes um i had to laugh because i said james it's you and your ilk who brought in this rule <laughs> like if you didn't name nonsense squads and nonsense teams for the last 20 years the ga wouldn't have bothered bringing in this rule and you wouldn't have to worry about it so it did make me chuckle i was wondering what you thought of it well, I, I, in my experience was i was getting a phone call from the secretary at about 10 to 9 on thursday and said, <laughs> where's the bloody team you told me you'd give it to me at half eight <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, you, you'd, you'd print some fella's name twice on the list and, uh, and always led to some nonsense. But um, I know where he's coming from. 
but exactly like you said, they seem to have forgot who were the guys that brought this about. Uh, uh, and I think, in fairness to Roscommon at the time, you can't point the finger at us. We were we were reasonable enough in our efforts. But um, the the one side of it is the illness side of it, which uh, you know the the rule falls down in terms of people getting ill. Um, but isn't twenty four surely enough for any man? I wouldn't have I mean, if you're bringing in number 27 and 28, you're probably not going to be playing them anyway, I don't think. Uh, but I, 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 hear, I hear the point he's saying about the rule. It's not a great rule, uh, but the, uh, you, you made the point for us. The reason the rule is in is because of... Just like the Mayor Fornikev, you know, the reason that got dispensed with was because managers were abusing it, exactly. Yeah. 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 So you can't, have, you can't have it every way. No, you can't have it every way, but that's, I think, I think to be an inter-county advantage store, you have to want it every way and you have to actually yeah, have well, the wherewithal to, to make it, yeah. to have it every way. Okay, let's move on to your other shower then, Kev. Um, our day at the office, Claire 215, Roscommon, mm-hmm. 117. Um, another cracking game, uh, you know, Croke Park uh, might have been full, but, you know, it was treated to a couple of, uh, a couple of tasty encounters and, um, I just kept there's no there's no other way to look at this but your your former charges are, are, are a little bit like Kildare gonna be wondering how it came to this. What were they five points up in the 69th minute? Mm. You shouldn't lose from that position, should you? No, no, the, like I mean, I saw Anthony Cunningham on the show last night and he just said he's gutted. And you can imagine like you're five points up, you have to be thinking the game is yours. Um, you know, there's players back in position, these things should not happen. Uh, and when you look back on it, as you know, we all do down here because we're invested in the team and you're doing the replays and stopping and slow-mos and everything, you're looking at the fine print of it. And it's a it, it's a, a result of an issue that Roscommon have had, well, I would say going back 10 years plus now at this stage, 20 years, is the lack of really straight up committed defenders that we'd, we just don't have them. And uh, there's a big issue when you have, you know, a lot of your defenders who don't actually uh, go around looking for contact, that they're happy to play areas without engaging an, an opponent. It gives too much time on the ball. And uh, like a scoreline of 117 not to win a qualifier game, you know, should, mm. should not happen. And the big issue, and, you know, and this, this comes through my period in charge as well. So I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to be, be, be silly about the issue. Right? And I can go back quite a while now to a lot mm. of managers here in the county. <clears throat> and the issue is that while managers and managements, you know, of course, give huge um, uh, concentration on, on defense and defensive structures, you have to have players that are committed to, the, to that structure, but most importantly, committed to engaging opponents when they breach it. And that is that is where Roscommon so badly fell down, not only in the Connacht final, uh, and I was sure it would be tidied up and well, certainly a better effort. But yesterday I could I could have picked you 10 clips, Mikey, where a clear player comes through and the Roscommon sweeper is 30 yards further back on the 20 meter line, not even close to engagement. There's no hard tackling going in, it's all shadowing. It's guys just trying to push them down the channel, but they forget that if they just you know, shaky and, and make any sort of room. Like in Crow Park, you'll, you'll score easily from 35 metres out if there's no pressure on you. And that was the killer for us common yesterday, that they have a very tidy uh, attacking unit who, who weren't hectic yesterday, but they had plenty of wides, 
uh, or, or on Saturday, excuse me, had plenty of wides, but still scored 117. But at the other end, they're just conceding it way, way too easy. And that's what catches you uh, in the end. And, you know, I, 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 I suffered uh, uh, that myself. I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to bring it together either. It's a, it's an ongoing issue where Roscommon really have to get their hands on out and out defenders, footballers that like defending first and foremost, rather than going up the field, playing lateral, easy mm. on the eye, foot passing and hand passing. That's we, we were singing the praises of Brian Stack here a few weeks ago. He, he, he would be one, I guess, who, who fulfills the criteria. Yes, and young Murray in the corner, even though he had a tough, tough day, you know, my experience of both of those fellas, I, and th- thanks for, for mentioning it. I, mm. I wouldn't want to think everybody, but we had too many. Yeah, uh, there was common lads. There was just too many of them, and that's not been hard. And they'll know this themselves. Like even the winning point, you know, uh, was kicked away. There should have been players. I mean, could you imagine trying to get that winning kick against Armagh Donegal in a frantic game? He'd have been smothered, you know. And poor old Jamie uh, Malone would be having his head reattached this kick. morning. <laughs> it was some kick. No, kick. it was fantastic yeah, kick. Yeah, yeah. But Rory, in the context of the game. This yeah. is the final possession. He ran through three possession. would-be tackles. You know, yeah. you know, Fokker are are uh, are one of these type of guys would be out on top of you and have the head pulled off you. You just wouldn't get the shot off. You know, you'd have to you'd have to recycle it. It was just too easy. And then if you look at the the, the free the sideline free where Young Murray got caught for over carrying, I think he throws the ball over the line. The ball is brought into the fourteen, and it's a tap over, and that gives clear a little spark. Just mm-hmm. that it could happen. Then they get the free from a silly turnover. You know, so all these things. I know the detail of them because I've invested. So yeah. uh, uh, all these little things add up, and now the five point lead isn't unsurmountable uh, at all. And yeah. uh, and off to go. But huge, huge uh, compliments to Claire because I, I always make this point: you ain't be, you ain't going to be getting those winning scores at the end unless you're trying to get them. Mm-hmm. And Claire were trying to get them. They got the penal. Great call by the ref. I thought he had missed it, but uh, and, and Rossa got away with it, but no. And then from there, unlike the Duddy Gall situation that I, we commented on some weeks mm. ago, they said, damn it, this might be our best chance, and they went for it. Yeah. So well done to them. But a, a, a big, a, a big, big defeat for Roscommon. It's going to, you know, the older players now are going to have to have a peep at themselves. Management are going to have a, have a peep at themselves. A lot of navel gazing now for, for the next few weeks and months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nyla, but cre- credit where it's due to Claire and um, I guess the man of the moment is, is Keelan Sexton, you know, to yeah, score so score 2-6 in Croke Park it is fair going. Uh, okay, 1-5 from Freeze, but there was 1-1 one, one and his goal, which he took very nicely. Again, it might have been a product of some fairly uh, lax Roscommon defending when he was able to run across the goal. But, you know, he, he's a young enough fellow, I believe, um, and he has amazing composure. It was a fantastic the kick. The, the kick from six or uh, from forty-seven eight meters mm. was, was some kick. That was uh, that was a pressure kick, and, and and well done to him. Like it was, it was of the Rian O'Neill quality, wasn't it? His performance, you'd have to say. So yeah, um, I uh, think so. But his 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 goal, the goal he got from Clay. Again, if you go back to the fine detail of it, Roscommon had that ball trapped on the end line yeah. and yeah. walked away from the contact. You know, instead of getting in and doubling up and getting an overcarry, they backed off and let him let him get his uh, lovely dink pass across the goal, and then Sex and fair play tidied up. Yeah. I actually I was watching the match and 
at, when that move was progressing, I actually turned away from the TV to look at something because I thought it'd been the move had been closed down, and then looked mm-hmm. up and it's in the net. It's like how did that actually happen? Like top teams simply would not, as you see, they had it boxed off there, like it was uh, it was blotted out, and it still ended up in the net. And those are the the wee details that get you, like. But listen, uh, Mikey said it there. You know, credit to Saxon and Clare and Colin Collins, like, and I'm not sure many seasons they're a, a very established Division Two team at this stage. And I feel like Clare maybe just don't get, and they will now obviously maybe get the respect and I suppose praise for what they have done over this last six or seven years because, you know, some people are seeing that as a major shock. Like, but Clare are, uh, Clare have been Division Two now for, it must be five seasons at this stage. Mm-hmm. Like, and Roscommon obviously been up and down between one and two. It's not as if they're. Uh, well, I didn't three. necessarily see it as a massive upset. No, no I'll be honest, no. there, Niall. I thought it was, yeah, it was against the odds. To a degree, but I wasn't, you know, stop the whole the front page on it, you know. And that's the thing, like they're going to go in as huge underdogs to the Derry match, but ideal for them again. It is ideal, and they've been mm. they've been operating at a higher level than Derry over this last number of years. Derry being in four and three, and and Clare being consistently in two. Now, obviously, in Ulster title changes that, of course. Mm. The way Derry are playing this year, they're rightly going to be big favourites, but. Again, it's, it's beautiful for Clare going into that quarterfinal. You know, there's going to be no one tipping them. No one's going to give them a chance. Derry haven't played. What will it be? Must be a long, long time between Derry's Ulster final and this match. Yeah. Or a month, I'd say. Probably. A month. Yeah. So that's that's a long time out, Kevin. You'll know. I two weeks is probably your optimum or your work, You know. Yeah. 29th of May to the um, 26th of June. That's a, yeah, month. a month. That's a month. That's a long time without a competitive match, no matter what you're doing in training. Yeah. As you say, Clare have come in with two victories. They're going to have that two week gap, which I think most managers would agree would be the perfect. perfect. Yeah, that's so, perfect. I, I think it's, I'm not saying Clare are going to beat them, but I, I certainly wouldn't be giving them the no hope status going in this quarter final because they're a good team. And I saw them a couple of years ago against Armagh. It's actually played in Yuri because. I don't know what Armagh did that time, but they've done something anyway, and they have some good forwards, Claire, like Turbidy and all. They're just, they were excellent that day, and Sexton has just seems to be able to propel them to the next level. So mm. I, Con- I thought O'Connor was worth a mention too. I thought he was first class, especially. Yeah, they will. Class. Oh, they're talking to forwards though, Rory, and as Pat pointed out, Pat's plan pointed out in Sunday game last night, the winning score by Jamie Malone was their first point from play in the second half. So, um, they have good forwards. They're just they're going to have to make more use of them if they're going to beat Derry. They might necessarily need too many scores from play against Derry either. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the reality of it. They probably, you know, that could. It just depends, I suppose, on Derry's approach. Um, but yeah, well, they'll, they'll be they'll be hot rodding onto Keelan Sexton anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Chrissy McCaig is sharpening as we speak. I'd say or someone like that. Uh, McKeague's an all-star territory at this stage, like you know, and he he'll he'll love that. Like you you, you got to assume that McKeague will, the way he's playing, be able to wrap him up. So what do you do there, Rory? Like if if Saxon is wrapped up, how how do Clare actually compete there? Yeah, said yeah, with, with a lot of difficulty, I would imagine. Maybe do you do you do you try and get a squeeze out of Tuberty from the start, just to maybe take the workload off him and. Do a Peter Canavan job, bring him, you know, bring him off, give him a rest, and then bring him back on because he look Tuberty still has something to offer. He just doesn't probably have seventy minutes, and they are like they don't have enough strings to their bow to make that unbelievable defensive machine that Derry is. 
worry all that much, I would imagine. But look, you know, look, I still think, I think you outlined a very good case for them there to not go in, in comparison to, we'll say, one of the quarterfinals, certainly, we, which will remain nameless. I don't think it's a no-hope situation for them. And it'd be an interesting contest, but you would assume that Derry would have just that little bit more, you yeah. know, they have a bit more noose about them to get the job done. Speaking of that no-hope uh, quarterfinal, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. let's get on quickly to talk about the, the the fourth of the qualifiers. It seems to be fourth in every which way. It wasn't a bad game, actually. It was quite an, it was a quite it, a it, it wasn't, but it just didn't seem to quite be the standard of the yeah. other, of the yeah, other games. Um, Kevin... Cork scored 218, you know, so should they take the Kildare approach now of the Leinster final and oh. turn their quarterfinal into a shootout wherever it's played? Cork being Cork will probably fancy their chance. <laughs> <laughs> we go toe-to-toe with these jackies. Yeah. And, and, and they'll probably go up and say, look, we're going to play the way we play. Let Dublin do what they want. Uh, anyway, no, I, 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 uh, I, I joke. Um, well, well, that's not that much night. of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> what was funny last night was uh, I thought it was um, John Cleary was saying afterwards, you know, we we we'll probably be written off by everybody, and he said, and we probably deserve that. Well, he could have left out the two probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because uh, Cork uh, Cork are you know they're on almost mission impossible. I, I would have thought the standard is just not there and hasn't been there for a long time. Uh, and that's not now to be stamping on Cork. There, I, I, I love Cork as a as a sporting county. Um, they they they've been off the standard for a long, long time. You know, um, their their best uh, their best uh, hope, I guess, would be to see could they could they generate the dander that they had for the first fifty minutes against Kerry, set a few short term goals, you know, to to achieve in the first half of, of the game. And see, could they, you know, keep it tight and competitive? Now, you know, if they had another five or six, seven Sean Powters, they would, because he, you saw what he does when he goes after uh, after a ball. He's hugely committed, and he's the sort of tear away uh, physical defender that Cork need loads of. But the problem is, they just they just don't have them. And there is a sense that even their forwards, who are good scoring, classy forwards. Um, that some of them can be a little bit flaky when the pressure comes on and, you know, could walk away from it easy enough now when you when you have uh, Fitzsimons and the Smalls and these guys, you know, grabbing, grabbing a, a hold of you. So that, that will be interesting to see how that pans out. You know, they'll probably have enough in them to have a cut, um, but you couldn't see it being sustained, Mike. You, you just couldn't. You just no, couldn't. you couldn't. And... Let's be honest here, uh, Niall, that, you know, there was a black card played a, a huge part in, in the turn of this match that was looking, you know, it was in the mix and um, it was Gordon Brown. Um, I won't forget his name. Gordon Brown, who, who, who saw the line for a third man tackle, which maybe by the letter of law was a third man tackle. But I don't know, Niall, did, did you see enough intention in it for it to be a black card? I, I'm I'm. I, I'm always against giving some of the benefit of the doubt in Gaelic football because you know, we're all so nefariously minded. But uh, there, I, I'm honestly not sure he even knew who was coming at him. Um, yeah, one of, one of the harsher ones, probably the weekend. And I think Rory said there maybe one three was taken off or something like that yep. during one the three. period. Like, and well, that 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 one cork the match when when all was said and done because first half obviously a bit wayward with their shooting, like, but given the elements and stuff like that, they probably would have been relatively happy where they were and 
Limerick have looked fit and strong this year in the matches. I've seen them and Cork haven't really. You know, we saw them day off against Kerry spectacularly badly. You know, they were so bad in that final 20 minutes and I watched them against Offaly during, during the year and they're very lucky, I thought, to come through that match to avoid relegation. Uh, you can see they got the job done, like they kicked a couple of scores, but I thought that was probably Offaly probably left that behind them. So I was set off for Limerick. Um, I thought I, I actually fancy Limerick going in. I know my predictions haven't been going great this year, but uh, I thought Limerick could have come through that like I really did. And I would have loved to see them come through because I've, I've just lost hope in Cork. I remember seeing them in Port Leash a couple of years ago against Tyrone. And ever since that, yeah, ever since that day, it was the day that uh, Russ Common Armagh. 2018. Yeah, the great, great Russ Common Armagh match was the, the first match on that day. And Cork Tyrone was one of the worst inter county matches I've seen. Shock and like, and I'm still scarred from that day. Um, but listen, you, you talk about and Kevin's right there, that's all that can go up inside that bubble. We talk about Mayo and the bubble, the court bubble. If they don't at least believe that they've got a chance to show, they may as well not show up. Like, but Kevin's right, short term, that's all that can go in. Short term, we goals stay in the game for 15 minutes, don't concede an early goal. I've seen Dublin blow teams away with early goals so often over the years. They'll knock any talk of a team staying with them and within five minutes there's a goal or two. So just stay with them 15 minutes and then you're on to stage two. Get in the half time within striking distance. And that's that's probably all Cork can do. Like there's not going to be a sinner in the country who's going to fancy Cork to win the match. But inside that bubble, they gotta believe or else they may as well just withdraw. Mikey, can I can I make a very quick point on the black card in the Limerick yes. game? <clears throat> so and this point I, I want to reference connected to a Hawkeye moment on the Saturday uh, where an umpire flagged the ball over the bar uh, and before the goalie could kick it out the boys upstairs Hawkeye did and of course it was a it was a wide uh, now officials are only supposed to do this flag things or bring things to people's attention if they are 100% sure that they are correct now having an umpire flag a point that uh, he sure is over the bar, only to be shown that it's wide by Hawkeye, means he was not 100% sure. Uh, but worse than that, in the black card incident, um, it's pretty obvious from the, the RT pictures that um, the Mayo referee did not see it himself, it was brought to his attention. I think it was Morris Deegan on that near side, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And again, you cannot, you cannot bring these incidents to the attention of referees, unless you're fully sure that you've seen what you've seen. So you can't, I can't say it to you, Mikey, oh, he intentionally blocked them. I use the word intentionally there now, because that you have to form that opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the linesman has to form that opinion. Oh, he definitely, he intentionally blocked them. It's a black card. And then the referee does it. And then later on that night, or even at, at time or whenever it was shown again, it was fairly obvious that nobody could know for sure. So in, in other words, there are people writing checks that they can't cash around here and they shouldn't be doing it because you you should be 100% certain of the decision. That's all we ever ask referees to get the big decisions right. The small ones we'll have to live with, but you can't be getting game deciding decisions that they're toss-ups, they're 50-50 jobs. That's just not on. That's not fair to anybody. But Kev, Kev, the key question though, did Morris Deegan deliver that information to Jerome Henry with a smile? Uh, Rory, final word to you. You are the supporter of a top eight football team. Yeah, 
I think what you, I think from a management's perspective, I think what you have to do from a Cork perspective and a management perspective, and anybody that's got the best interests of Cork football at heart, you have to look at the year as a whole. What they're going to actually get is a very good barometer of the standard they need to get to. They're going to be one of the few teams that are going to end up playing the best two teams in the country in championship this year. So they're not, they'll now know the standard. They're going to probably get rinsed again in a similar fashion to the way it happened in the Munster semi-final. They're going to get a very. They're going to see it up close and personal. This is this is the level we're going to need to get to. There's a consistency of selection across the team for the first time. I'd say in maybe four or five years, they could have ended up in the Talchin Cup. They've had a couple of championship wins back to back, admittedly through very lucky draws. But look, that's the luck of the draw. We don't decide the rules. So they now have, I think, a base. On which upon which to build. They're going to get a very good glimpse of where they need to get to in terms of the next level. They're going to have some injuries clear up over the next couple of months. And I think facing into 2023 in a very in a much more competitive division two than maybe it has been for many years. Connor Corbett should come back into the orbit of, uh, and he's obviously somebody that's much heralded around Cork football circles. And we've managed to fend off Australian interest in him. Obviously got a very bad cruciate injury. He's an incredible player. He, he's coming back into the mix. Sean Meehan, Daniel O'Mahony, all of these guys are back into the mix. Brian Hartnett will be coming back into the mix, which is a big weakness, obviously, is around midfield, where I think we'll probably get hosed, and that's going to be a big issue for us um, against Dublin. But I think you've got to look at the, the kind of grand picture here and not just say, right, okay, lost by Dublin again by 10, 15 points and just assume, oh, that, you know, that's typical Cork. I think a mature person that would actually have a better kind of understanding of how football, what football is going on, will actually take a much more grandiose view of it and see that there is progress but it's now about building on it because the history of Cork football suggests it's nearly always one step forward and two steps back it needs to be three steps forward now and push on to the next level okay yeah. there we go we might we actually managed to talk quite a lot about Cork and Limerick in the end without yeah, really sorry. talking about Cork <laughs> and Limerick <laughs> listen yeah. we'll leave it there and we'll be back on Thursday uh Niall thank you Kevin thank you Rory thank you and we will be back Thursday to look ahead to the All-Ireland hurling quarterfinals and the Talton Cup semi-finals so chat to you then good luck thank you bye earned it by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us what I love in hurling I love players that will never give in he hits it he hits it it's over the bar